and welcome to Stationary Adjacent, a podcast at the intersection of analog and digital productivity. I'm Justin Twyfe and joined as always by my friend and co-host, the amazing Stu Lennon. Hey Stu, how's the Mediterranean this week? Windswept and interesting, Justin. It is being blown off the island. I mean, if we floated, we would be, oh, I guess we'd probably be most of the way into Syria by now. It's blowing a hoolie here, um, which is very handy for me because I was doing lots of washing. That's a domestic god that I am. I've been doing the laundry, Justin. That's how exciting my life is. Okay, I, I got to ask. I got to ask before we go on to there. Do you still hang stuff out or do you just throw everything in the dryer like normal people? I live in a dryer um, called the Mediterranean. So no, we don't have a dryer. Oh. We, we put things on a rotary line um, and I put some sheets on it today and I, I seriously thought it was going to take off. <laughs> it's that much wind. Uh, but no, we don't have a dryer. Wow. Ah, see, this this whole cultural difference. I think everybody in North America is just like, how do you live without a dryer? Uh, well, I mean, you live somewhere really warm where it doesn't rain very much. That's the trick. I, I remember my uh, parents doing that when I was a kid, uh, you know, getting out there with the little pegs and doing everything. And mm-hmm. that just seems like a whole lot of work. There is some work involved, yes. And the the biggest problem I have, I mean, while we're doing the domestic podcast, the biggest problem I have, Justin, is the impact of the heat on those plastic pegs. Oh. Uh, after about a year, uh, they become so brittle that I try and peg things up and there's this sort of all the time um, as I go through pegs. So I've, I've got to go and buy some pegs. I, In fact, I'm grabbing a note card and I'm writing on it buy pegs oh well i would be if my pen was that there we go buy pegs and flinging it into my intro oh <laughs> that will all make more sense later i'll tell you oh wow you know we're so domesticated pegs washing we were talking septic systems before we got on uh, recording <laughs> oh god Stu, what's happened to us are we are, are we that old yeah, I think we probably are, mate. It's the glamour. It's the glamour of, you know, septics. I mean, we could move on to little pooper scoops and the joys of, of owning dogs, but let's not. Let's let, Tell me how things are in Canada. Oh, we're smoky. Oh. Um, so if I sound worse than normal, there you go. Uh, we've got huge wildfires in Alberta, which is a province next to us, and in northern B.C., I took a quick look at the northern BC stuff because it shows up in my little app and uh, somewhere around uh, 70,000 hectares are on fire at the moment. Wow. Which sounds like an awful lot of um, tinder. Um, but uh, everything is nuts. Uh, the area is gray. Now, I usually look out in the morning and I see what kind of day is it going to be? I look at the local mountain that I can see. It's not too far away. Um, and it's kind of this like grayish black shadow in the background of this white, yucky, grayish yeah, um, mist that we have in the air, which is actually the smoke. The sun's this sort of evil orangey red color. It's absolutely brutal. Uh, parts of our area are still getting floods um, because the snow melt is coming fast and furious and... The fires are getting closer, and we're in May. Um, Yesterday and the day before, we had lightning storms, um, which, of course, just create more wildfires locally. So, wow, Mother Nature is, well, she is. Let's just go there. I don't want to have to beep anything. Mm, For sure. I mean, May must be early. Surely you're not expecting to get, you know, wildfires in May. That's more of a summer thing, isn't it? Yeah, we had a, a very weird winter. We had a, a huge amount of snow, uh, a very cold winter. So it sat up there for a long time. So normally I would expect to have uh, floods this time of year. Um, but because we've actually had a fairly dry spring, uh, even though there's a ton of snowpack up there, um, it's just dry and floody at the same time we actually had uh, because of these weird things we had our um, one of the cliffs overlooking uh, the the lake uh, collapsed the other day put about eight feet of rubble on top of the road uh, which closed the road and that's our main road down to 
the highway or down to the city south of us. So yeah, mother nature. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a weird one, but oh, well, what can you do about it? I'm just sitting here. I'm, I'm sitting in shorts, Stu. It's, uh, our weather's in the low thirties, which is low 30 degrees Celsius, which is somewhere, what, 90 degrees? Is that about right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. I mean, we, we've had a couple of days of that, of, you know, proper weather or what I would consider May weather, which for us would be around 30. Um, but we're quite cool. Uh, we're 23 degrees today. Um, which is it's great if you want to go play golf. Um, I, I was going to say to you, we haven't had any fires yet, but then um, literally about an hour ago, two choppers went over the house with the big buckets hanging beneath them. So um, either they're having a bit of a practice or these winds are, are fanning some fires somewhere. Uh, but yeah, it's scary stuff. Huh? Maybe they're flying all the way over here just to help. We need all the help we can get. I think they'd need a lot of fuel tank to do that. But yes, let's hope so. All right. We do have some follow-up from a listener that I thought was amazing. A couple of weeks ago, we talked about um, the issues of productivity books being very male-focused, male writers and the lack of female writers or, you know, the, the obvious ones that don't get as much talk. Um, and this listener, I'm not going to identify them because uh, you'll understand when I read this. Um, but they also brought up something that I'd never considered as well. I, I'm, I'm learning so much about this whole topic and realizing how blind I am to it. Um, most of the the books, the productivity books, leadership books, and tools that are made are for neurotypical people rather than neurodivergent people. And uh, our listener has... Uh, a challenge because they're trying to read the books and they have a, a real challenge because they don't fit for how a neurodivergent brain works. Uh, they have ADHD and autism. And so a lot of the methods and things that are discussed in books uh, just seem really inaccessible to them. And I thought, wow, I had never considered that. You know, it's it's something that I really should have thought more about, but, uh, wow, uh, I haven't got a whole lot of information on this. Uh, Stu, do you have any thoughts or resources on, um, how to help somebody, uh, with resources for productivity, particularly at leadership, uh, books for ADHD and autism? Hmm. <laughs> well, specifically to that, no, I mean, I think partially because the great realization that's going on now is that um, there is no sort of one size fits all approach. Um, And, you know, if if you speak specifically to uh, productivity workflows and uh, ADHD, then uh, Merlin Mann springs to mind um, as someone who's not uh, neurotypical. He is neurodivergent, I think. from from what I've heard of him say of himself anyway. Um, and yet, you know, GTD, for example, sort of leapt up and grabbed him by the throat. It really appealed to him. Whereas to someone else, it doesn't work at all. It doesn't appeal. It's um it's completely useless. And I think for many people, um, you know, wherever one sits on any of these spectra, the reality is that no one system is likely to work straight out of the box. I think everybody sort of amends and adjusts systems to fit their own way of thinking. Um, And clearly some people have more challenge in that than others, depending on on where they sit on the spectrum. And I mean, I know my, uh, the the current Mrs. Leonard, I called her that because it's only a matter of time she gets rid of me, but um, she works at a, an inclusive school. So she has a, a class full of, uh, children, you know, each of them unique. Some of them have, uh, are on, on the spectrum. Some are not. Um, there are, um, off the top of my head, there are Russians, there are Ukrainians in itself. That's an interesting juxtaposition. There are Israelis, there are British, there's French, there's Italian, uh, and there's, uh, Greek Cypriot. 
Um, and all of these kids coming from, you know, different educational systems, different cultural backgrounds, um, and with, you know, different ways of learning. It's enormously challenging to get uh, all these kids advancing in the way that uh, they'd like to, because I think we're learning that people learn differently. And amending our education system to reflect that is going to be yeah, a huge challenge. I mean, I'm not an educator and, and so I don't know. I just listen um, to what my wife tells me about how challenging it can be. You listen? Um, and I th <laughs> I don't have any choice. I married a Sicilian. So uh, yes, I listen very attentively. And um, when I interrupt, I usually get chastised. So no, I mean, it's, it's a hugely challenging environment. I mean, it must be, I can think of nothing more challenging than, um, you know, a frustrated, um, 10 year old or 11 year old. I mean, they must be a handful. <laughs> and certainly the stories my wife tells me, they can be a real handful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. The, the one resource I did sort of think about with this was writer Carol, uh, the creator of the bullet journal. Um, he created that because he is, uh, on the, uh, somewhere on the neurodivergent spectrum. I'm not sure exactly what, uh, he identifies with, but, uh, he found that that was a way for him to be able to well, do what he needed to do on a daily basis. So I think there is some value in there. Yeah. If you can find the system, um, again, limited knowledge on this. I'm, I'm speaking way outside my comfort zone. Uh, the reason I really wanted to bring this up was if anybody does have any resources that they could help recommend, um, I'd love to get those, uh, share those, put those in the show notes so that people can, can learn something and help particularly anybody that is either dealing with this personally or has family members that would be good to help, you know, there's, there's so many people, you know, as Stu was saying, there are kids there. We can, we can get Mrs. L reading some of these things and trying to, uh, work at school with a bunch of 11 year olds ha! productivity. No, um, I, I just think it's a, a neat uh, thing that I've, again, never thought of it, but, uh, this is so eye opening. This whole topic is just really, uh, kind of shaking a bit of the foundations of, here's what I do and why I do it. And like, oh, I am blind to a lot of this stuff. Kind of okay. interesting stuff, Stu. For sure. All right. What's your tool of the week? Ah, my tool of the week is, is one of the famous um, Lennon Twyford negative tools of the week. Visitors. That's my tool. Um, I'm lucky enough to have two friends uh, come and visit who live in Hungary. Uh, and they came for, well, just about a week uh, and completely blew my life to pieces. Um, not because they uh, are particularly difficult or, or hard, but because they were here. Um, they were in my house. Uh, they were in my way. Um, they, <laughs> every routine I've ever established was instantly forgotten because, well, they were my friends and it was great. And we hugged. And the well, first thing I did was sat down and drank a bottle of wine with my buddy. And oh, yeah, it just went from there. So um, hosting people, I'm sure everybody knows, very, very demanding, um, but also such a great privilege. You know, there's nothing better than having your friends with you so you can just talk through things. And, you know, these are people I hadn't seen since 2018. So um, unless my math is wrong, that's five years. Um, so, yeah, I had a fantastic time. Um, all of my routines and rhythms and things were completely blown to bits. Um, and... Yeah, it just highlights to me the sort of the duality of my my character. So um, my sort of extroverted people pleaser side was was loving this. You know, let's get in the car and I'll drive you here and show you this. And, oh, we've got to go and have a drink here and we've got to eat something there. And, you know, just the delight of, of showing people a good time. Uh, and then my other part, who is an introspective and sort of pensive sociopath, um, was just resenting the very fact that these people, I would get up at, at five in the morning, Justin, and my house guest would get up and I go away. I, wa I want to be on my own. I want to just read. I want, I want to go through my daily <sighs> It's just, it's a strange, strange thing. I mean, do you find hosting exhausting? Oh, I do. Um, 
we have strict rules after last year because first year moving away, everybody comes to visit. Uh, we have a schedule one guest per weekend, uh, because at one point we had double booked, uh, we had somebody come for the Thursday, Friday, and the Saturday, Sunday with somebody. And I was exactly the same, just completely exhausted with it. Um, yeah, hosting is, is wonderful in small doses. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I was actually thinking about it when you were talking about that. Uh, my wife's friend sent her a text yesterday saying, I'm in town. Would you like to get together tomorrow? And it's like, oh no, now you got to go clean the house and you got to do all this work. It's like, oh gosh. My big question for you though, Stu, mm. you said you hugged post COVID. Mm. Does that feel weird or what? Oh yeah. Yeah. Truly weird. Um, it's, you know, Mrs. L comes back from school all the time with stories of, um, you know, kids being mysteriously off <laughs> and, uh, there's a, there's a whole, I mean, I'm sure this exists everywhere now, but there's a whole protocol about what you can ask and what you can't ask now. Mm -hmm. Um, and the, the standard approach to people here seems to be, um, don't test just in case you find out that you've got it. So, um, oh, hi, Johnny. You went in yesterday. Were you not very well? No, miss. I wasn't very well. Oh, what was the matter with you? Don't know, miss. Oh, well, did you feel a bit coldy? Don't know, miss. Johnny, what's the matter? I was told not to say anything, miss. It's like this whole, whole sort of um, secretive culture has grown up. Um, we live predominantly outdoors at this time of year, which makes me feel a little bit better. Um, but yeah, it's it is it is weird. It has changed the way that you interact. But ultimately, not having seen someone for five years, sort of um, overruled that, I guess. And I just uh, I just jumped in, and thus far, no infection. I hope. I just, I, it's, it's not the actual risk side of it. It's just giving people a hug just feels so weird. I get, I, I shook somebody's hand the other day and it was just like, you know, I was kind of like weirdly holding my hand out in front of me, like, oh, get me to a sanitizer station quickly. Like I've, <laughs> I've become so weird about this. It's, it's just my observation. I, again, I live in a very privileged place. I live in a very small town. Um, I don't really see a lot of people, uh, so I'm, I've got a particular point. A friend of mine, uh, there was a concert in Vancouver on the weekend from uh, an artist that I really enjoy and he was there and, uh, he FaceTimed us and held up the camera so we could see because we couldn't make the drive up. It was just logistics were too hard and too expensive for it. Um, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was weird to see all these people dancing and singing in in a concert again and i'm just like okay i'm i'm really not sure i'm ready for it i mean i a handshake's enough for me a hug that's pushing it but concert wow i'm i'm, I'm weird Stu. then again i'm probably one of the few that have not yet caught the ick yeah for sure for sure i mean that's i i think part of uh, of us getting more comfortable with it is that we've now both had it um, that our guests, I think, had it right at the start. Um, and I think Hungary was quite tough on it, generally speaking. Um, Hungary's, um, prime minister is, well, he's not backward in coming forward. Um, he's, uh, he, he's one of Europe's, one of Europe's populists. Let's put it that way. A gentleman called Viktor Orban. Oh yes. I've heard um, of him. Not somebody I'd like to have a meal with. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Not, not my favorite guy, but, um, I, I think they impose quite tough regime and, uh, well, you know, like everybody else, uh, as far as, as far as the guests are concerned, it's pretty much over. They, they feel, um, I'm a little bit more reticent, but, um, you know, they can't control it. Therefore don't worry about it. The, the fun one that we have, I guess, for me at the moment is there's, we're in a transition time at the golf club. So, um, for a long time, there was no physical contact at the end of a round of golf. Then people started moving to a little fist bump. Um, and now people are torn between the fist bump and a, and a handshake. 
Um, and it looks like everybody's playing paper, rock, scissors at the end of a round when one person sticks a hand out, another person sticks a fist out. It's it, uh, very disconcerting, but I'm sure it will all sort itself out. Ah, time heals everything, but uh, anyway, crazy <laughs> stuff. So what was your tool of the week then? Oh, busyness. Um, a negative thing as well. I had a, I had a crazy weekend. Um, I drove down to the coast on Saturday to buy a Jeep, which, uh, you know, involved getting my wife in her car so that the both of us could drive down and I could buy this Jeep, put some plates on it and drive it home. Um, the coast is, it's 400 kilometers from here over the mountains. Um, I got there after so many conversations with this guy. Oh, sure. No problem driving it back. Um, I couldn't even drive it around the block. It was that bad. Uh, what a complete waste of gas time. Uh, we had a nice lunch. Uh, we decided we came back through the Southern route through a place called Manning Park, which is absolutely gorgeous. We checked out some of the camping there. We had dinner in a beautiful pub that they've got really thematic to sort of the bears that are out there. Um, it was, it turned out to be a nice day out with my wife and myself, but, um, it was 14 hours on the road by the time I got home, Stu. Wow. And I was tired. The next morning was Mother's Day, mm. which included a wine tasting lunch that, uh, we walked down to our local winery and it was so hot. It was in the mid thirties that I had to carry the princess all the way home because she was so hot and panting, even with, um, you know, uh, water and everything. She was just not doing well. Mm -hmm. Um, then we went into the local town for some ice cream and then we had dinner out, you know, you, you spoil the wife just like you're supposed to, um, two days out. I came back and I was absolutely knackered. Uh, and I had a busy day on Monday. Well, I had a, I've had a busy week, but a really, really busy day on Monday. And I was just so tired. Um, not a great combination. I'm not sure if it's me getting old, me sort of hibernating in my little rural cabin here. Um, I'm just not used to long, long days of socializing and been out and all that stuff. And I've just thought that I need to moderate my energy levels because if you do all that stuff at once, the next day, the next couple of days, it takes you a couple of days to catch up. Um, are you like that or you still got the stamina of a 20 year old? Uh, no, I've been, <laughs> I think I've had three naps in the last two days. Um, and it's, I mean, okay, because I've not been drinking and I was drinking for, for nearly a week, that will have had an impact as well. Um, but yeah, it, it takes me uh, much longer to recover from anything, drink or no drink, just because I guess, as you say, we're very privileged and we get used to our life. Um, you know, the, the walks that I took uh, with these guys here were longer and I guess they were, for me, I had to be more aware you know, I didn't want these people standing on snakes or, um, you know, absentmindedly wandering into a road looking the one way, the wrong way, because we we drive on the left hand side as per the UK. Here. The right side. Oh no, <laughs> left hand side. Yeah, that's which way is UK? That you're you're backwards. Never mind. Exactly. We're we're backwards according to most of the world, um, and so whenever I have guests from Europe here, they all look the wrong way on the roads. Um, and given that the Cypriots drive like maniacs, um, I, I don't know. I just get a little bit tense when I'm sort of shepherding people around. Uh, so yes, I've been, I had a, I think I had a nap at about 10.30 this morning. I was uh, uh, just quietly fall asleep on my, in my uh, office couch. Mm, but I, I, I felt I could have gone the same way, but unfortunately I had such a busy week that there was no chance for a nap. So it was brutal. Terrible, terrible, terrible. Uh, this kid old stuff sucks. Uh, better than the alternative, though. This is true. This is true. All right. What are you writing with this week, Stu? Uh, well, I, uh, just this morning, actually, I inked up my Rockster Nero. There you go. A Rockster Nero. Um, it's a unique pen uh, that I had Ash from Rockster Pens make for me. Um, there's a link in the show notes. Um, he's, uh, he's a Welsh lad. Um, he's a proud owner of um, a schnauzer. 
Um, and people who know my backstory will know that Nero's Notes is named after Nero, um, a jet black schnauzer, um, who was my pride and joy, my best friend for many, many years uh, in the UK. Uh, so much so that I named the company after him. Um, this pen was in commemoration of him when he when he died. Sadly, he was killed by a, by a dog here in Cyprus. Um, but it's it's pure black, just like him. Uh, and then. Uh, if you can sort of, I'm I'm taking the, the cap off now. There's an accent ring just at the top of the grip um, in the colours of Nero's collar, uh, which, uh, if you're interested, is a help for Hero's collar. So it's got uh, sort of army red and navy blue and an air force blue. Um, and the nib is a book number six. Um, it's black, jet black, um, again just keep him with the whole thing and it's lovely it's a lovely lovely pen that um just just reminds me of my little buddy um and i've got a really interesting ink in it. i've got some wagner from diamine the music set which is um it's a sort of light green ink very nice very nice makes a nice change lovely and such a such a lovely story behind the pen too what about you what are you using this week uh i inked uh, well first off I killed a Twisby 580. I used up all of the ink in it. Isn't that impressive? Congratulations. What were you doing? Were you, were you doing sketching or something? No, that's just been writing. I was so impressed with myself because, well, Twisby, big, big ink. They take like the whole bottle. Mm. Um, so that was the pen I had inked up with red. And I wanted something else in red. So I picked up my Leonardo a Memento Zero in Rosewood Ebonite. So the barrel is actually a rosewood wood, um, and everything else on it is in ebonite. It's a medium nib. Fill that with Graf von Faber-Castell garnet red. And, you know, it's it's one of those things. I don't use the graph very often, but when I do, I, it's, it's like the Mont Blanc ink. It's just a really, really solid, well-performing ink. Hmm. I, I just love it. The combination is great. Um, it looks, it looks very professional, actually, on my desk. It's, you know, with wood and ebonite. Very, very nice. But yeah, I'm just loving it. Splendid. All right, Stu, you're up. Um, GTD, <laughs> stage by stage. Stu is doing a re-implementation, I think is a nice way to put it, of yeah. getting things done, a system by which he's really getting on top of a task manager and implementing it in his life. Hopefully he's still there. Um, you know, I'm sure the review stage got a little thrown off by the guests. Mm -hmm. Um, what we wanted to do is kind of go through what Stu is learning, what, uh, I kind of do, uh, as a existing practice and think about each stage of GTD a little bit at a time. Um, I want to start though with, one of the things, and I know, so Stu and I, I'm not sure, do you have the old book as well as the new book? I know you've just got the new David Allen Getting Things Done 2015 rewrite. Yeah, I've only got that one. I don't know what happened to the old one, but um, I don't have it. Okay. So uh, there's some differences to that, but one of the things that I remember uh, about Getting Things Done was a huge discussion on horizons which i notice in the new book is pushed to the back mm -hmm. rather than in the front uh, but i think it's important before you start your gtd process to sort of think about what david allen calls his horizons and in the first version they were uh feet i think he had like a twenty thousand foot version and so forth yeah um He's got uh, five or six horizons, actually. Starts at the ground, current actions, moves to horizon one, which is current projects. So if you're looking at this, you're at dealing with the current actions. Your next level is going to be your projects. Your horizon two is your areas of focus and accountabilities. Your horizon three above that is your goals Horizon four is your vision. Horizon five is your 
purpose and principles. I get a little mazzle out of this actually, now that I read it uh, all these years later, but looking at this, you know, I think there's something to think about is really, you know, with a system like this, you're focusing on your sort of current actions, but you have to keep your projects, your areas, your goals, vision, and your purpose in mind, because it is so easy to get stuck into the busyness of any system. Current actions are great. You can check them off. You can feel good. Look, I hit the little check mark. I've done that. I've crossed it off my list, but you have to have alignment with all of these other parts. And so I wanted to kind of just ask Stu as someone reestablishing a system like this, have you considered how you're implementing all of this before you started GTD? Or is this something that you'll look at after the fact, sort of like David Allen, 2015? Hmm. I mean, I, I think that the reason the prominence of this sort of, um, I call it a system, if you like, um, changed in the book, what has been sort of pushed further to the back, um, I think is because he has more experience of GTD and uh, teaching GTD, helping people implement GTD. Uh, and I don't know, my own experience, I mean, I know you've done Plan Your Year with um, the Focus course, you know, the guys at Sean Blanc Media, which is, you know, it's a great course. We we, we both recommend you take a look at it if you're into this sort of stuff. But um, that's very much a sort of top-down approach where you um, you go through some exercises working out your purposes, your values, your principles, and from that, your vision, and then your goals, and, you know, a very sort of methodical way of saying, you know, this is who I am and this is how I, I will live that life that I want to live. I'll live my values and all the way down to the thing I'm going to do right now to, to move closer to, to that thing. And I think it's great. Um, it's something that I've done. It's something that I continue to look at. But for me, it's very, very much aspirational. However much I try to be objective and realistic, this reflects the, this exercise for me reflects the steward that I want to be, that I like to think of myself as, and very much relegates the things that I don't particularly enjoy or I don't particularly feel are laudable, perhaps. And what uh, David Allen now proposes, or sorry, what David Allen proposes is that regardless of your purpose and principles, the best place to start is your current actions. Because whether you like it or not, the stuff that is on your plate reflects who you are. So uh, I do not have a load of accountancy tasks on my plate because I'm not an accountant. I do not have an enormous amount of gardening tasks on my plate because I'm not a gardener. And yet, if I start from the top and about the way I would like to live my life, I do come out with these objectives and goals that I'm going to make this in the garden, I'm going to do that in the garden, which is all great and lovely, but it never makes it to my task list. Mm. Starting from the task list upwards and getting some sort of control over that, I find it's, um, uh, I find the process acts as a sort of self-filter. So as I start um, thinking about my current actions, some of those inevitably in my mind become projects. I think, okay, that's not... A project in, in David Allen's world is any outcome that requires more than one action. So it's a very broad sort of definition. Um, and this gives me a much clearer idea of actually what I'm doing. So I like to think of myself as a creator. I like to think of myself as this. I like to think of myself as that. But actually, a lot of stuff on my list um, is about being a steward of the house, if you like, and making sure that um, you know it doesn't fall down and the light bulbs get changed and that the right lights go in the right places and that the 
you know, the trash gets done, you know, all of that stuff. These are the things that fall to me. And actually, they're a huge part of the things I need to remember. So I find the horizon approach and the way that you can you can sort of twist it and turn it upside down and you can come at it from different angles. I find that really useful. Um, and I'm finding what for me was a novel approach of starting at ground level with what stuff have I got on my list to get done. I find that quite refreshing. Um, but that might just be my experience. I'm not sure. You know, I, I think you're, you've got a point there, Stu. Um, if you are coming into GTD from not using a system or not using a system regularly, the biggest thing you can do is, well, so our discussion is going to be uh, talking about today, capture. Mm. It's really figuring out a way to get everything that you've got on your plate, off your mind, off your various places into one. I'm going to talk about this a lot, I'm sure. Trusted system, my favorite buzzword today. Uh, we should start a drinking game, Stu, every time I say that. We'll have a drink. <laughs> uh, mine's coffee this morning, but we're good. Um, no, I think, I think you're right that starting with the current actions is the best way to clarity. I think for me, as someone that has had a practice of GTD, you know, we've talked about it before. I'm a fan of my task manager, which is built around this GTD methodology, uh, including the built-in reviews and everything like that. Um, my current actions are generally easily captured. What I think I need to spend more time on is some of these higher horizons and building tasks so they get done. And, and that's not just, um, you know, the, I, I have a list that we'll probably talk about at some point of let's call them aspirational goals. Uh, Stu's garden, for example, uh, I have a thing, uh, a, a, I have things that are less aspirational, but lo more long-term areas of focus, accountabilities, goals. And those are the ones that I need to break down and put into current actions uh, and current projects. And if, if I can define tasks and make those actionable. So I think at, at different points in your journey on GTD, um, you will come at this from different angles, but I think Stu's point is perfectly valid that you, you want to start at the ground and work upwards, um, you know, and that some of the stuff does come across as a little lofty and until you have your system working, I hate to say seamlessly, but as seamlessly as one can get a system. Um, and then you will want to step back and look at some of these higher horizons and build those in as well. For sure. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, in the, in the show note, you've, uh, we're going to talk about capture today and Justin has made the point that, um, there's a, there's a whole section in the book actually dedicated to before you get into capture into, into getting your space ready, um, and sort of, uh, liberating the time. Um, was it, is it two days? I think he recommends Justin for, for your first sort of put together of, uh, of the capture. Yeah, I think it is. I remember something about that. It's, it's a significantly more uh, involved process than people think about when they're just, you know, trying to get a few things off their plate and put into uh, some sort of system. But yeah, it really does the first time we've done it. And honestly, I, I've been using this system in different tools and whatever else from, you know, I've, I've still got in my closet, don't tell anybody, Stu, I still have a portable file box probably set up with 43 folders mm -hmm. uh, from, you know, in the days where you printed out emails and you put them into a uh, physical capture file so that uh, you could look at them when you needed to. Sure. Very weird. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've, I've been using this for a while, so I'm sure I did that process at some point um, maintaining it is a little different so uh yeah. looking at the whole thing is is kind of fresh for me as well so it's kind of cool mm. yeah i mean the, the thing that struck me about reading through the book again was how much i'd missed um the first time how much i'd, I'd probably ignored 
So my first attempt at adopting GTD um, would have also involved 43 folders. But um, I got swept away and excited and interested by um, what you might call the middle horizons. So um, talking about what sort of areas of focus I had, um, you know, I am the uh, what was I group operations director of this company. And so I've got this, this, and this are big areas. And I also do that. So that is a big area. And within that, and I started there. So I, I started looking at areas of focus. I started looking at big projects um, and how these were contributing to my goals, uh, which is kind of in the middle. What I've done this time is say, right, okay, so what stuff am I doing? Um, I, I have task managers and I was using a task manager and it's uh, not in a very disciplined way. So there was a starting point there. Um, I have a desk, um, which if you're anything like anybody else on the planet means that I have stuff. Um, and David Allen, I think is very good. He uses the word stuff a lot. We all have stuff in our lives. And if you've got a desk, your desk will be littered with stuff. There'll be drawers next to it or under it. There'll be shelves adjacent to it. There'll be box files. There'll be lever arch files. There'll be little plastic wallets, you know, all sorts. Or if you're very, very young, hip and cool, then all of this will still exist. It will just be digital. It'll be hidden in Evernote or notes or microsoft OneNote, or it'll just be loads of emails that you've kind of put a flag on and saved here and saved there and lost and then refound and that's that's the kind of world that i think everybody to a certain extent exists in mm. and so i thought okay i'm going to be very very disciplined and i'm going to do exactly what david allen suggests and so the first thing that i did was i started writing down tasks not on a piece of paper as he suggested, but on a card, because I happen to have a lot of cards. So I have Folietto. Nero's Notes sells them. I've got packets of them. They're lovely things. Go to nerosnotes.co.uk. You will love them. Um, but I started writing tasks. Um, I, I'm not using any color coding system. I am writing in longhand, often with a, a few notes, um, anything that's on my mind, anything that I need to do. And the reason that I was doing that, one is because it says so in David Allen, um, and two, because I'm not very good at writing tasks down or uh, writing projects down, which is something we'll get to later. Um, so doing in longhand on a piece of card, which is not where I intend these things will stay, um, gives me a sort of filtering exercise where I'm capturing the thoughts. So I'm just going to, I'm literally, I didn't actually think about doing this, but I should do it. I, I uh, was trying to catch up with myself today because I've been uh, hosting people. And so I've thrown, I don't know, 10, 12 cards into the thing. So here we go. What have I got? This one says Man Inc., um, which is a, a, a supplier for Nero's Notes. Uh, cotton Wallet Endless. That's all that says. And the next one says uh, Buy Pegs. There we go. Um, <laughs> um, uh, check out new vendors on fair. Uh, schedule the August sub uh, for early release. Uh, check out Claire Fontaine A5 uh, Art Decos. Uh, check out Offlines, another supplier. Um, check out Portuguese notes. Don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> phone the duck. <laughs> um, and uh, uh, the right subs letter for the for the June sub. So those are just things that were on my mind and I flung them into my tray today. And what I will do um, when I next do my review, which I currently probably do more than a weekly review, I do it more frequently. Um, I imagine that tomorrow afternoon, which is actually my scheduled review time anyway, um, all of those will be processed into my electronic system, which I use things. Um, and they'll start getting slotted into projects, but also I'll look at them and go, okay, what was I actually trying to say there? And is that one task or is it actually a project? So the August sub, for example, I need to find what I'm going to put into the, the sub. I need to negotiate the price of the sub. I need to, to run the numbers to make sure the sub will work. Then I need to order the stuff and make sure that I can get it delivered in time. 
then I need to work out with Claire the postage and packing. Um, and then I need to buy the stuff. Then I need to write the letter, send it to Claire, and then Claire does the dispatch. So that simple task, which is one line on the card, is actually nine tasks. So that really is in sort of that clarifying part of that that you're yeah you're exactly yeah. exactly. But what what I'm doing initially is just that capture thing of okay, I've got to do this thing, and I don't get too hung up on whether it's a task or it's a series of tasks. Um, and I don't worry about, oh, you know, am I starting with a verb? Am I doing, uh, I, all of those things, I, as you say, Justin, I leave for clarifying because I think it's a different skill set for me. Um, if you say to me, sit down and clarify these hundred things, I can do it. But if I'm in the mode of, oh, wow, I've got a lot on, oh, my world is, oh, what's going on? Then I'm all about capture. Just write, write down in longhand using probably a nice pen and a nice card and just fling it in there, fling it in there, fling it in there, fling it. There's something really liberating about doing that <laughs> because to, to quote, quote a guy you may have heard of, I know that's going into my trusted system. Oh, drinking game. Yeah. Shots, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. So did you do this... Uh two-day reclusive go through everything when you when you started this i know that you've had a bit of a system mm -hmm. maybe not quite as trusted but you've had a system for a lot of things for a while did you do this full mind sweep to get everything in there or are you just doing capture on a sort of ongoing basis i would say that i spent probably a good four to six hours um, putting the initial sort of mind sweep is what they now call it. It used to be called a brain dump. And I think probably everybody just thought, no, that doesn't sound very nice. Um, where I just tried to get everything that was in my head out. And I found that I could only do that for a certain amount of time until my attention wandered and I'd sort of, you know, run dry. But then half an hour later sitting on a couch, I'd be, oh yeah, I've got to do that as well. And that was what I found useful was keeping that focus on capture for the weekend um, and just acknowledging I was going to capture things in all the wrong places and because um, I wasn't really settled on how things were going to work. But just get it out of my head onto something that I could find again. That, that, that was all I was focused on. Mm -hmm. And I've done that weekly would be overstating. Maybe every fortnight or so I've spent a couple more hours going, oh, come on, you know, th there's more. Um, and started thinking about all the things that are, I guess, are automatic. Um, and, you know, <laughs> talking about this is lethal because I've just remembered something I need to do. <laughs> so I'm now picking up a card and writing down that I need to meal plan next week. <laughs> there you are. What wonderful podcasting this is. Um, but again, bang, that goes into the, into the intray. And when I look at this tomorrow, I'll go, all right, I need to meal plan next week. And because it's Friday, that means I need to get on with it and it, it will become uh, a live project and will probably get time blocked. So, um, so I'm, I'm just hearing this and I want to jump ahead and I'm just mm. recurring tasks, do recurring tasks, sure. uh, you know, for some of this stuff is just uh, the best part, you know, not only are you dealing with August, well, as soon as August is done, then September pops up and then, mm -hmm. you know, October and every month you've got that set of actions that you need to have. Yep. Um, some of those concurrent, some of those singular, getting a little ahead of ourselves, but yeah, I think you've, you're going to find this so liberating because once you put it all in there, including, you know, if you meal plan every day or every week, here you go. On this day, I'm going to do my meal plan. It's going to remind me in case I forgot about it. Chances are you won't forget. For sure. Because a lot of this stuff is important. But the fact that you could take that off your mind and put it somewhere and have it surface at the right time when it can be actionable is amazingly liberating. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, what? So you're, you're capturing most things at this point uh, in a in a card, throwing it in your, uh, entry. What else are you doing for capture? Do you do any digital capture capture? Do you, uh, take a notebook with you and how do you review that? Is that anything that you're doing? Let's say you're on the golf course and you think about something, what are you doing for capture there? 
Yeah, I mean the I mean notebooks sort of go in and out of my pockets all the time. Um, it's getting hot here now. Um, I'm living in shorts. Um, I have things like scorecards that I have to put in my pocket. Um, so right now I have little folietto cards uh, in my wallet with a Fisher Space Pen. Um, but the reality is that the the world is changing, Justin. I don't know if you've noticed, but even here in the Eastern Med. Um, you know, my wife goes out shopping without a wallet. I mean, I'm not sure I can go quite that far. I feel sort of naked without some sort of cash on me, but, um, you can do everything here with your, you know, your Apple pay or your, you know, your watch, your phone, um, and carrying less has a real sort of, uh, advantage to it. So I'm trying to train myself into the, the digital capture as well, um, but for the moment, I'm in a place where I still have folietto cards and a pen. Mm. Um, I use Tot, um, which is a cute little app, um, which synchronizes with my Mac. That's the thing I probably like most about it. It's on my iOS devices, but it's also on my Mac. Um, and it's, as the name might suggest, it's just, you know, it's somewhere to jot a little note. Um, and I'm also, Things is kind of home base for me. Things is where all of these tasks will end up. Uh, that's where my reminders live. That's where my recurring tasks live. Um, but what I do find is that I, I quite enjoy having the two stages of capture somewhere else. And then when I clarify, put it into things. Um, if I put it into things as part of the capture, um, it can sit in the inbox and then I can rework it. But there's a temptation for me just to move it into a project or move it into an area and not sort of clarify it with the rigor that I think is important. So uh -huh. it's mostly still analog, but I do have my little digital backup plan. Mm. What about you? How do you do it these days? It's, it's a tough one. Most of the stuff that I am doing at the moment, I'm sitting at a computer for, so I'm you know, unlike Stu, I'm not out golfing three times a week. Uh, so I'm, I'm sitting quite often at my computer. I've got a variety of things. Uh, I've mentioned it before my notebook that I have my spread on every, every week. I've got space for notes. I've also got, so I, I divide my notebook up into six columns. One of those is for tasks. And much like Stu, I will write down the tasks that come to mind there. And periodically, you know, when I'm reviewing my task manager, I will put those into there. Um, that's the most common way to do that one place. Uh, I then from that have my analog card that tells me what I want to do today. If there's anything I need to do today that comes up, I'll add that to my card. But, uh, you know, I, the, the stuff that goes in the tasks is stuff I need to do this week, next week, stuff that I need to schedule. Um, mm -hmm. the capture for when I'm on the move is generally on the phone. Actually. Um, I don't go anywhere that I'm sitting down with a pen and a paper. You know, if I'm, if I'm out somewhere, usually it's, uh, you know, with, uh, Mrs. T, um, I don't want to be digging into my pocket, getting a, uh, a, a notebook out. Usually I carry one, um, digging into my pocket, getting a pen. Usually I carry one or four, um, and writing something down, finding a place to write really quickly into my phone. I've got two apps on my, what do you call that at the bottom? The home row, right, Stu? Uh, yeah, I think so. Where the four, the four on the bottom of your, your iPhone, you've got four icons. I have text messages. I have drafts, which is a quick capture tool for me. I have my OmniFocus and then I have my podcast player because that's the kind of nerd that I am. Um, so I will do one of two things, four things that I want to review. They will go into drafts. If something comes up that I need to follow up on the same day, because drafts is a process that I go through and I review periodically and then schedule from there, I will put it directly into my OmniFocus task manager 
and I will put the due date of that day because I want that flag to remind me that I need to get this done today. So, you know, let's say the other day I was out at physio, something came up, I put that right into my OmniFocus because before I shut down for the day, I need to make sure that this is done. And I have my reminders and my deadlines on OmniFocus uh, an hour before my end of day, my scheduled end of day, for the simple fact that when it pops up, I've got still some time if I've missed something, which hopefully through my systems I won't, but I'll have some way to to look at that and to um, to capture what, what I do and to process it as well to make sure it's there. Again, trusted system. Uh, I've got my my simple part for throwing things in there, my capture stuff. I've got a more complicated and time-bound task list that I go directly to. And then sort of my analog system, which is really just for when I'm sitting working at work, which is weird. Um, because, you know, I'm a stationary nerd and I don't have cool little stuff that I can throw in an inbox. Ah, Stu, you make me think here. <laughs> I did have a question for you. Um, do you sleep with your phone and glasses in my case next to the bed? Um, and do you do any capture in bed? Um, I'm not sure as, as a man over 50, well, you know, I usually wake up to pee in the middle of the night and quite often I have ideas and things that I want to record, you know, I don't know what it is about three o'clock in the morning, but I wake up with some of my best. Oh, I got to do this. I got to do that. I've got an idea for this. Um, I am absolutely scared of my wife and will not put a light on, uh, because if I wake up either the dog or the wife, um, my life is not worth living. <laughs> so I, I actually keep my glasses and my phone next to, um, the, the bet. And so if I come up with an idea and I wake up and I think about it because, you know, the best ideas come in the middle of the night. And if you don't do anything with them, you know, you had a good idea the next morning, but you can't remember what it was and it's stressful. So I'll quite often add things to my capture device in the middle of the night. Am I the only one that does this do, or do you do anything like that? Um, I have all the kits in place. Um, uh, but although I have to say, I don't often use it. So, um, yes, this being an old man's podcast, yes, there is plenty of traffic between me and the bathroom. Um, they, um, whilst you're frightened of your wife, um, I am of course frightened of mine, but more importantly, she is frightened of the dark. So <gasps> we have a bedroom door open and there's a nightlight in the corridor. Um, so there is enough light already for me to, to negotiate if required. Um, uh, I have, here we go, we're getting into the nitty gritty now. I have a special set of spectacles for next to the bed. Ooh. Because the ones that I wear during the day have um, a neon strap around the back so that um, I can let my glasses fall around my neck and not lose them because I'm truly old and absent-minded. Um, the problem is if you're lying on your side or on your back, that strap is really uncomfortable. So I have a special pair of spectacles in bed that don't have a strap around the back. Oh, good. There we go. God, we have hit uh, ultimate old man podcast territory, haven't we? Indeed. Nobody is going to believe that we are actually tattooed wild children of the past. Uh, we've got old. Um, so, yeah, I, I do have the facility there and i do read in bed um usually from a kindle i have to say um and then i have a note card and pen you know the wallet um, as previously mentioned is there but now i have to say i haven't don't think i've jotted when i was uh uh corporate cobra i used to sometimes wake up in the middle of the night to solutions to problems um and i used to jot those down um, but now that I'm sort of semi-retired, less so, it hasn't happened for a long time. Mm. That's the corporate side of me that uh, generally comes. The best ideas at three o'clock in the morning or things that, oh, I forgot to do that. Uh, but yeah, it's just something I do. So I'm, I'm glad one of us um, uh, does have to worry about uh, the light because oh, that's scary. <laughs> I'm glad you don't, you can, you can use a pen. Pens just wouldn't work. Oof, that would be scary. 
right. Uh, anything else you want to talk about capture? Anything in your process that we've missed? Uh, well, I think you know we've we've sort of brushed around it. I mean, as as Justin says, um, the the whole initial sort of minesweep or brain dump of getting stuff out of your head, getting stuff out of your head becomes increasingly automatic as you as you get more comfortable with your system. So um, I, you know, more frequently now find myself podcasting, sitting down, writing notes, throwing them in the intro. So at my desk, the way my desk is set up, I'm looking at the screen, which is on the corner of the desk, and at my right hand, quite literally, uh, is my intro. And it's very easy for me to throw stuff in there. Um, likewise, I'm getting better at just pulling my phone out and tapping something in if it occurs to me when I'm watching TV or whatever. Um, because I just... I find it so liberating to know that I don't need to worry about remembering something. So we all have it that you're doing some work and out of the corner of your eye, you see a notification come across your Mac or saying that X or Y or Z has happened and you think, oh, I better look at that. Or an email comes through and you think, oh, I better reply to that. Um, having some way of saying, okay, noted, filed, somewhere where I will find it. Um, means that you don't need to then sort of put any of your brain into it and i was talking to this uh the the, the visitor we were talking about earlier on i was talking about how how this worked and i used the same analogy that that david allen uses which is our our brain is is brilliant as ram so if you think of ram in a computer the stuff that works things out that's what our brain does what it's not very good at doing is being a hard disk now, actually, it can do both. It can be the hard disk and the RAM, and that's what many, many people do. But keeping documents in your RAM, keeping deadlines in your RAM, keeping things to do in your RAM slows down your cognitive process. It gives you less room to work on things. And if you bought the M1, the first M1s with the 8 megabytes RAM, then you'll be used to the little message saying, oh, you're running out of memory. I kind of feel that's what happens with me and being able to say, I don't need to worry about this thing, that thing, that thing, because it's in my system now. Um, I find incredibly liberating. Hmm. Completely agree with you. It's, it's definitely, you know, as I say, drinking game, trusted system. Oh. <laughs> there and I, yeah. The, the point is exactly that everything needs to go in. I've been using productivity systems for 25 years. And the reason they've never really stuck with me is that word, everything. The minute that I try and say, okay, well, that's work and that's uh, uh, a side project and, oh, that's personal, and separate those things out into different systems or say that some things go into the system and some things don't go into the system, it fails because my mind is trying to keep track of what goes in where. The minute I say, or the minute I have now said, I'm having one system and everything goes in there, which is... I, don't get me wrong i understand not everybody can have that luxury because you know corporate lines and all that stuff but now that i've got everything in there i know where it is i don't think oh was i supposed to do something today because if it's not in my system then it doesn't exist if i drop off the system <laughs> that's going to cause me problems but right now it just gives me i finally feel the benefit of here we go one more time everybody Raise your glasses, the trusted system, because I put everything in it. All right. Any takeaways on Capture specifically? Capture is an ongoing uh, process. Um, when you've been doing it as long as Justin, this will kind of just happen. But to get there, I think you've got to strive. You've, you've got to, over the first few months, you've got to keep revisiting yourself. Are there things I'm thinking about? Are there plans that I'm making? Are there projects that I'm considering that are not in my system? Because if there are, get them into your system. And then when you do want to think about project A, B, or C, do it deliberately. Work out what the next steps are, what the next actions are. And before you know it, you're halfway to completing the task. So make sure you work really hard at capturing all of the stuff. What about you, Justin? Mine is actually similar. Um, I encourage everybody to 
review your capture methods on a regular basis because it's so important in the first step of your trusted system. And so what I mean by that is if you're writing a journal entry for yourself in a different book, uh, a different notebook, you're doing longhand journaling and somehow something comes up there, make sure you have a process in your capturing methods to go back and review that. So anywhere that you could do that, if you carry a pocket notebook, well, you have to, if you use it once in a while, you have to make sure that's included in your review of your capture methods. So I think that's an important part. It's all about distilling it down. As Stu said, keep it in one place, wherever that is, just make sure that you can then review that. And we're going to talk about the reviewing of that in the next episode, clarifying. But until then, Stu, where can people find you on the internet this week? Well, the best place to find me uh, is always stuartlannon.com. Uh, it's where I do my writing and talk nonsense. Um, you can also find, well, lovely folietto cards at nerosnotes.co.uk. Um, I don't really do stationery, but if you want to say hi, drop Justin and I an email at stationaryadjacent at gmail.com. What about you, Justin? Where can people find you? The easiest place to find me at the moment is justintwyford.com. you got links to everything that I'm doing or not doing on the interwebs at the moment. I'm kind of quiet and it's fine. I'm good with that. Sure. Uh, please take a moment to like and review us on your podcast catcher choice. We really do appreciate your recommendations to your friends and colleagues. Again, looking for suggestions on uh, resources for neurodivergence, um, divergent people and tools that they can use. Please drop us an email on those stationaryjacent at gmail.com. All right. Until next time. Goodbye and stay productive. Yes, us.